talk lines open now at 247-2000. Welcome to First City Forum, my friends. It is another drizzly gray day in Ketchikan. And you know what? That is okay. We had some lovely, lovely weather over the weekend. And I don't know, I've personally been so busy, I haven't even paid attention to the weather today. However, did you guys like experience the wind last night? I didn't. The crazy, crazy out of nowhere wind? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, should I buckle down the hatches? Is anything going to blow away? I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I wasn't expecting that at all. No. Yeah, neither was I. It was uh, very sudden. Yeah. And then it was gone. And then it was gone. It was a little surprising with the nice weather we had earlier in the week. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so thankfully it's not so windy today. Yeah, it's a little dreary, but you know what? That's okay. We shall survive. It is a very lovely day in the First City Forum studio. I am lucky to be in the room with two powerhouse women. And um, I would love to welcome Jesse Pilcher to the show show i believe for the very first time ever it is yes welcome thank you you're welcome she's uh she's a little bit nervous but you're gonna do great so trust me you're gonna do great and she is joined by deborah asper who i'm sure all of you know deb was just on the show last week with sergeant of investigations mike purcell we were talking about we were talking about drugs and addiction inside of our community and this is just going to be a, a continuation of that conversation and it is going to be an ongoing conversation that's just going to be happening because um, part of what Deborah is doing through her work at the Ketchikan Wellness Coalition and leading the peers task force which she'll tell you all about is you know we're really she is really trying to create a drug aware culture and we're going to talk about that um, dive into that a little bit and why specifically she chose those words but before we do How's it going today, ladies? It's going pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, woke up this morning. I, I'm just, uh, we have a big event coming up. And so I'm doing a lot of work towards that. And so my brain's a little bit scattered. Oh, and yeah. So I apologize. You're fine. It'll be <laughs> in advance. <laughs> in advance. That is totally fine. That is so fine. How are you doing, Miss Jessie? I am good. Thank you. Yeah. So tell uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and um, why you're in the studio to oh. have this conversation that we're going to be talking about today. Well, I am a locally born and raised K High graduate. Um, my family lives here, my parents still live here, my siblings live here. Um, I am a nurse practitioner at a local clinic that I co-own. And What's the name of the uh, clinic? Legacy Health Clinic, Legacy but I also okay. um, work contract for another um, entity uh, doing their harm reduction program, uh, medically assisted treatment um, for opioid um, dependence. And I am on the Peers Task Force with Deb and Reentry Coalition. And I'm also on the I'm the vice chair for the First City Homeless Services. Right. 
Right. Yeah. So you and Deborah are working pretty, you guys are working pretty heavily together. Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. That used to be me when it was when we were working on Tatsuda stuff and all, all of our other stuff. But I think that's phenomenal because I know, uh, I just know how much Deborah gets done. So I'm excited that she has, uh, she has you with all of your extensive experience yeah. and knowledge and care for the community behind you. I, we were in K-High similar time. I think you graduated the, the year, year before you. I believe so. Yep. Yeah. I'm Which was 95. Oh, yeah. I was going to lie, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need. It's fine. Yes. Um, 95, mm-hmm. and I was 96. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dang. I know. <laughs> when did you graduate? 2001. You stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> we were just way ahead. And that yeah. was early. It was early? Yeah, I graduated early. Oh. Of course you did. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All righty. So really quickly, let's kick things off with just again explaining what the Peers Task Force is. And we'll lead into this really amazing, incredible event that um, none of you who are listening want to miss out on. So, But explain to me what as to what Peers is. So the Peers Task Force is a group of people that work under the Drug-Free Communities Grant. PEERS stands for Prevention, Intervention, Education, Recovery, and Support. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, and we, we try and better the community by working, um, by doing education and events and supporting other organizations um, and providing help within the substance use, substance abuse uh, realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that's basically it in a nutshell. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, you work, you're working under the drug free communities grant Mm -hmm. and are, you know, in it, which is a nationwide grant. And so there are many, many people across the entire country who are doing similar work and, you know, really trying to, really trying to make some positive action to to do well for the members of all of our different communities yeah so yeah it's incredible yeah yeah and so um and so jesse you're on the task force Mm -hmm. how long have you been on the task force for probably a little less than a year i think okay yeah i just um went to a few meetings and decided i would would join join in with them and uh, i was just trying to think uh how long has the peers been around Oh, gosh. I think seven years. Seven years. Is I, what you had told me recently. I yeah. was trying to remember, like, when we were in school, it was like the Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Yes, that and was the Red Ribbon. And Red Ribbon and Week. And something then, else. Um, I don't even know what else yeah. it might have been. But, yeah, yeah. So, and it's a different, it's just a different kind of world that we're living in. Different uh, different stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's evolved. The, the, mm-hmm. the space has evolved for sure. So, um, so let's talk about this, this big event yeah. that you had. Um, and <coughs> you've been, you've been working in your position, I think, since October of 2021. Yes. And it's been, it's been interesting just to watch you as your friend and kind of from the outside a bit to see you evolve and like try to figure out and find your place in you know in this and also just like massive life change and career change for you you know um and so so let's so so explain to everybody again what the event is and and really how you came up with this idea so uh, 
the hidden in plain sight is a mock okay so the original event hidden in plain sight um was not my idea this is actually a an event that happened um down south and i don't i don't actually know where that idea came from Mm -hmm. but romanda it brought it to me um and it's and it's a mock bedroom set and so originally what it is it's a it's it's like so the sorry so kpd goes through and they show you um all of the different ways that kids can hide drugs or paraphernalia Mm -hmm. that are basically hidden in plain sight so it's like storage containers so like comic containers that the bottoms come out of or um, computer mice that turn into scales or things that kids can use that um, that are um, not obvious. Right. So when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, if we are going to do this, then why don't we make it so that we can teach people as much as we can. We can just provide as much edu- education um, since we're going to have all these people in one place. Anyway, mm-hmm. so it kind of evolved from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was doing a readiness assessment for the community, I was talking to people, and a lot of people just don't know how to talk to their kids mm-hmm. about substance use. They just didn't know um, what substances looked like. They right. didn't know what smaller resources. They knew that there was like Aquila. They knew there was Carhouse. They knew there was... Um, the bigger resources, but they didn't know about the smaller resources. And so that sort of is how it came about. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the event is happening this Saturday mm-hmm. at the mall. It's um, upstairs on the taco time end of the mall up above. Um, up, Yeah, so go up the escalators, it's yeah. kind of, you know, kind of across the hallway from sale. And so there will be an actual bedroom yeah. that's set up inside of the space that's there. And there will be the Ketchikan Police Department officers and investigators will be there and will be walking people through the this bedroom and showing them different containers uh, and also paraphernalia and what to look for, you know, all the different things. We kind of made it more uh, Ketchikan specific. So it's not just going to be the, like the containers. It's also going to be actual paraphernalia and baggies and things that you will find um, that people are using here more Mm -hmm. as well. Right. And also, I mean, things, something like a butane lighter, they'll, Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will talk about that if your child or somebody in your life, and this is not just, I mean, this is a lot of what you do is focused on youth prevention, but so much of this is, I mean, it it is applicable to adults, to people of all ages. So, and you don't have to be a parent to to participate in this. No, this is also, I mean, like, we're going to have blown up pictures of substances. So if Mm -hmm. you are not aware of, say, like, what meth looks like, or if you don't know what tar looks like, or, like, what the behaviors look like in somebody, like, we're going to have all of that information. We're going to have people from Community Connections coming, and they're going to be there talking about how to broach conversations um, Mm -hmm. to bring up substance use Mm -hmm. with somebody. So this is not just for parents who think that their kids are using. This is not just for somebody who... um, 
who wants to talk to somebody who's using like this is for all adults Mm -hmm. this is we can educate our children as much as we want but then we also need to educate our adults and the people who are um, leading our communities right. as well. Yes, 100%. 100%. So it's happening at the mall. It's mm-hmm. going to be running from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. You can come. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> um, it's going from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And you can come in at your convenience. So it's not like you have to be there the whole you know time. You can come in at your convenience and, and have a conversation and see what's there and learn something and is it just for parents or teenagers can come no you have to actually be 21 or or above to come into the room um but because we recognize that most parents aren't just walking around on saturday without their kids Mm -hmm. there is a place where kids can go to be supervised while their parents are going through um and everybody who comes through the uh, through the event, will be entered to win prizes. There will be uh, gift bags given away. Nice. Um, yeah, there's going to be people to talk to to answer questions. Like it's going to be, it's not uh, like a super somber event. Like yeah. there's going to be fun. Like there's okay. going to be people to engage right. with people. Um, I will be there. Um, I will be there. Catherine will be there. Jesse will be there. There will be Narcan trainings. There will be kits given away. Um, I don't want to scare people away. Like this is a very serious topic and I think that everybody needs to be able to identify substances when they see them and be able to identify paraphernalia when they see it. Mm -hmm. But also like this is just an opportunity to get questions answered by professionals to get um, some some Narcan kits, some of the, the the bags when you, it will, what are they called? The, you can put your drugs in them, and then they... Oh, the, the, they're like, uh, they have uh, the dissolve, uh, so you can dispense of uh, your home medication. Oh, yeah. your prescription or, drugs. Yeah, yeah. Oh. we're going to be giving those yeah. away. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's, so, that's really good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there's going to be all kinds of resources there. So, okay. I mean, it's not... Yeah. yeah. It's going to be... It's Is gonna there going to be any discussion about what's in your medicine cabinets at home and how those can be you know a bottle of Tylenol a bottle of ibuprofen Benadryl there's a lot of things that we have in our um you know that in our in our in our medicine cabinets that we don't even think could be Mm -hmm. problematic yeah Yeah, I I think there's a, a there's a lot of things in our medicine cabinets and um yeah there yeah Mm -hmm. we do have um like the top ingredients to look for Mm-hmm. in your in your uh, medicine cabinets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so this is the this is the first time in Ketchikan that we're hosting an event like this which mm-hmm. I I don't know why I was surprised by that but I never until you mentioned it to me you said hey I think I'm gonna do the, an event like this where people can come and actually see what these things look like and I was like oh my gosh why hasn't this been done before it's I mean it's a phenomenal opportunity and as a person who has experienced drug abuse from a loved one um, and seen things and I questioned and I didn't know and I mean that sort of thing would have been wildly helpful for me because I that's not my world you Mm -hmm. know and I and I don't know I see what's on TV and on movies and but I I don't know what it could look like in real life so yeah, 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 yeah. So mark your calendars, Saturday, April 2nd. Can you believe it's April? 
Let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the mall upstairs on the uh, on the taco time end of the mall. And yeah, I hope that all of you can make it down there. Um, Okay, well, that's really super exciting. So let's talk about I started the conversation today with, you know, saying that you're really working towards creating and nurturing a drug aware culture. Last time you came on, we had said anti-drug, right? And talk to me about this shift in wording and why it matters. Well, I think a lot of the, uh, well, not a lot of it, but part of the stigma comes from the words that we use. And we know that just in like a lot of the other, and a lot of the words that we use, um, we try to use more positive words around them in mental health, um, in abuse and violence. Um, But we have been pushing a lot of this drug is bad, anti-drug messages. But a lot of times that also, like if you are saying drugs are bad, then you're also saying people who use drugs are bad. People who, uh, like their families are bad, their children are bad. Anti-drug messages are also like anti-drug user messages. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not saying like, and just being drug aware um, is like we obviously don't want to promote drug use yeah say it's not promoting it but it but is we do want to support right yeah the, the people who are using drugs and their trauma and their families and their trauma and just like being um aware of the fact that like drug use is not like a black and white thing mm-hmm. like it's not just use drugs or get clean mm-hmm. like there's there's stories there's feelings there's emotions there's things behind it that need to be healed before like that that can happen right right so it's it's a it's an intentional choice of word change Mm -hmm. to help to to help to break that stigma that is unintentionally happening you know and yes we want we don't want drugs we don't want people using drugs we want to people to be living happy healthy lives but unfortunately, that's just not something that happens right. at uh, the flick of a switch, you know. And so giving that space and creating space for compassion and empathy towards the people who are in active use, okay. who are struggling, and then also the family members and the loved ones of that. And I want to talk about that in a little while and really, um, and not today probably, but expand upon that conversation and create space because I know that there are so many people in our community and just across the world that um, are having to deal with the pain and the trauma of having loved ones who are battling addiction of some kind. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned um, that you work with a, another organization through to do medically treated recovery. Is that um, what? It's called medically assisted treatment, okay. and it's a form of harm reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, medically assisted treatment uh, in, in addiction would be like for opioid addiction would, you've probably heard of Suboxone, mm-hmm. um, maybe Vivitrol, which we use in alcohol um, addiction as well as opioid addiction. Yeah. Um, you've probably heard of methadone, which we don't have methadone. You, you, we don't have a methadone clinic here in Ketchikan. They're very uh, regulated um, differently. So, it, um, But methadone clinics are very, they've been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, yeah, doing medically assisted treatment, which it's just a part of treatment. It's a tool. It's... Um, 
you know, where we use medication and um, we're, we try to meet individuals where they're at. Some people aren't ready to do, you know, counseling or go to treatment, inpatient or outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, some individuals aren't ready to stop stop their drug right. use. And so, you know, it, the importance of meeting them where they're at and, you know, being non-judgmental, um, treating them with, like you said, the dignity, the compassion and respect. Um, and I think, you know, letting them know, like, these are your options. Um, it, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it can be very, uh, it's very rewarding, very difficult work. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about families that are dealing with individuals who are currently using an active addiction, um, it can be, it's very difficult mm-hmm. and it's heartbreaking and, and what people go through, you know, these are their loved ones. These are, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, addiction, especially with the opioid epidemic, um, it's not discriminate discriminatory now. It's every age, right. um, race, um, socioeconomic class. Right. Um, yeah. 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 So I, uh, you know, so working in, you know, with peers, with the primary prevention, that's what we do before individuals, you know, we try to prevent substance use or misuse. And then once individuals are using, you know, secondary is identifying that there's a problem, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to get them help. And, you know, with harm reduction, the medically assisted treatment, um, Narcan is a form of uh, having Narcan available. That's a form of um, harm reduction. yeah, we can talk. I want to. Ha- I want to. Yeah. yeah, I just have a question about the this the the medication that you're using. You know, we were before we came on air, we were having a conversation about you know what should we talk about today? Gosh, and this is how we go to into every show basically. <laughs> we you know I, I never start with you know these are the fifty questions I'm going to ask today and nothing else. It really is a conversation that evolves and you know. But so well, as we were talking before we came on, you Deborah was mentioning about that there's a lot of stigma around these um, these medications that are used to to help people who They're, yeah and can, can we talk about that a little bit explain what what it is how it works and try to create some understanding around it for people yeah yeah um, so suboxone it's been around geez it's been around since I was a nurse in the um, early 2000s but it's more widely used now especially um, you have to have a um, special training, and you have to have a waiver to prescribe it. Okay. So there's more prescribers here now. There used to be limited. Um, and now with the opioid epidemic, um, there's been a lot of change to who can prescribe. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suboxone, it's a combination of buprenorphine and naloxone. Um and it's one of the main medications we use in opioid addiction, um, that and methadone, which I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it helps at those receptor sites where, like, let's say heroin or um, prescription, let's say morphine or oxycodone or fentanyl. Right. Um, it, it goes to those receptor sites. It decreases um, cravings. Uh, it if people are in withdrawal, acute withdrawal from opiates, um, it basically treats that withdrawal Mm -hmm. and it kind of helps the brain 
kind of normalize. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes you can't really, when somebody is, you know, taking it as prescribed, you can't really tell that they're on, you know, they, okay, they're more they're... in a normal state, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's important because it, it does, it, it decreases risk of death and uh, risk of fatal overdose by 50 percent mm-hmm. and, and it also helps reduce risk of non-fatal overdose um so it's also used in pain you can use it in pain management oh, um, which yeah. that's becoming more uh, uh common co- more common uh-huh. especially down south interesting yeah interesting so when you are treating an individual is you know is there and I, I'm sure that it's really based upon the needs of each individual, but there is, is there kind of like a standard or an average amount of time that somebody, uh, you know, or where are they, so first off, where are they in their timeline of, um, of using when, when it gets in, when they get and introduced to this? And that's a really good question. So this medication, if an individual has um, used, let's say heroin or fentanyl or methadone, or even pain pills, there is a time frame that if you use it too soon, it'll make, it'll put them into precipitated withdrawals or make withdrawals worse. Okay. Um, so with heroin, usually the nine to 12 hour time frame, fentanyl is a lot longer. Okay. And so it's, be- and methadone, it, it's uh, made it more difficult. Um, you know, a lot of individuals can't just stop using um for the period of time that's needed. So right. with, like with the fentanyl, we're seeing 24 to 36 hours, but a lot of people can't do that. So we're trying different um, ways, like lower doses of, of Suboxone, right? Um, which seems to be working. But, okay. you know, it, detox is difficult. We don't have a detox locally. Yeah. Um, detox, there's one up in Anchorage and... Then there's one in Juneau, but they're really hard to get into. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you have a very small window of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so with opioid, with opiates, you know, you can do medically supervised outpatient withdrawal. Okay. Um, whereas, you know, with alcohol withdrawal, generally you want to do that yes. in, in, a, in a very uh, supervised, like yes. in, in the hospital or at a detox. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a really quick okay. second. Um, I didn't know that, that that was an issue until I had a personal experience with it, specifically about alcohol. Um, someone I was close to in a close relationship to was alcohol dependent. And I didn't know, I did not know that when they withdraw from that, that they would could potentially die. And um, I don't know how many times he went to the emergency room or he checked himself in because he thought he was going to die. And um, talk about scary. It's very scary. And it's not something that, um, you know, that I remember being taught or, t- or, or talked about a lot. So versus um, being able to do, you know, medically assisted outpatient treatment versus somebody who is abusing alcohol physically, mm-hmm. you know, dependent on it. So I just wanted to make a point about yeah. that. <laughs> and it's not just opioids that's the issue, and I think all of us know that. That's just a lot of what the conversation revolves around. So, um, okay, so there's a time frame in which they can take it. And then 
and do so let's say somebody is wanting to stop they're wanting to change their circumstances what does that look like how does that relationship with you go generally um, an individual will contact you know any of the clinics locally that are um, offer it Um, so like ideal options is one the psychiatrists at Peace Health do offer it. Each provider has a, you know, maximum amount that they can have in okay. treatment at a time. Um, KIC, you can contact behavioral health. Um, and then there's some other local providers mm-hmm. uh, that you can contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, you know, say you ready to get some help and mm-hmm. and uh you and know that's kind of the start of it and yeah. you know that 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 readiness for change uh and that's kind of where you know uh very similar to you know smoking cessation where are you at you know let's meet you where you're at and, right uh, you know readiness for change right and then um you know it is uh I want to say something about Suboxone. There is a longer-acting one, which is an injection once a month. Um, it is uh, buprenorphine, uh, which is in Suboxone, and um, we're seeing really good results with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Suboxone and Vivitrol. Vivitrol is a complete o- opiate blocker, and you have to be off all opiates for 7 to 10 days okay. before you can receive that, and that's a once-a-month injection as well. Okay, um, But they are covered by Alaska Medicaid and most health insurances cover those. Good. And I know that if you're uninsured um, with Vivitrol, you can sometimes get some assistance. There's a lot of different patient assistance programs. Programs. Okay. Um, You know, you can... Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. that's... Well, that's good to know that don't let that be a barrier for yourself um, if, if you do want to make a change, if you feel like you're ready, or you just want to stay safe. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Catherine Tatsuda having a great conversation with Jesse Pilcher and Deborah Asper, um, and we're, we're building a drug-aware community through conversations like this. We'll be right back, you guys. Thank you. And we are back on First City Forum. It is actually now, like half an hour later after we started the show. It's a nice day, at least on my end of Ketchikan. Who knows what it's doing anywhere else? But I'm peeking out my window and I see clouds way up high and even a little bit of sunshine. So that brings me joy. We are having an interesting and uh, serious conversation about, about addiction drug use, care, the different types of services that are available. Deborah Asper with the Ketchikan Wellness Coalition and Jesse Pilcher, who is a um, nurse practitioner with, oh, and we have a caller with Legacy Health is here and will answer the line. And Deborah is going to talk. Um, and then if we have any questions for Jesse, we'll share. Thank you for calling for City Forum. This is Catherine and Deborah. Who are we speaking with? Michael. What was that? I'm sorry. Michael. Oh, hey, Michael. How are you today? Pretty good. Good. Hey, a couple of questions. Uh, would there be any complications? Should a man and a woman, if they're smoking a crack, whatever, like that's where the nickname crack baby would be, babies having side effects for the rest of their lives, something like that? Would. Jess. Okay, can you repeat your question? Jesse wasn't able to hear you. So go ahead and repeat it. 
Okay, uh, let's just say uh, if a couple had sex while they're being high on crack or meth or whatever, would uh, and they produce a baby later from it being high, would there be side effects for the rest of the life for that baby? Like that's where the term crack baby comes. I'm just curious if that could happen. And the next question would be, what are some of the high side effects that people should be aware of seeing family members or good friends that are in denial? No, not high. No, uh uh-uh, no. You know, if you could explain that on the radio, and I'll go back to the radio then. Thanks. Okay, yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Okay, so the first question was, I think that Jesse was having some problems. We were having some headphone issues. Make sure we get that fixed. His question was, what are... Um what would happen? What are the negative, potential negative effects on uh, if someone were to get pregnant while they were um, using in active use? Um, what, you know, is it possible? And, you know, what, what would that look like? So it sounded like he, he was, he referred to the word crack baby. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, would, would be so with continued use during pregnancy uh, when the baby is born depending on what substance they're on um, they can let's say opiates uh, if somebody's uh, using heroin fentanyl or even on chronic opiates for pain um, or even on uh, buprenorphine product uh, so they can have a safer pregnancy, mm-hmm. healthier pregnancy. Um, babies can be born with acute withdrawal. Um, it's called neonatal withdrawal syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, it is common. Um, I don't know what the long-term effects are. I, you know, I think studies are being done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's other substances, um, uh, methamphetamine. Um, I believe they go through withdrawal as well when they're born, and I don't know the long-term effects. Okay. Um, or cocaine or, you know, other substances. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, babies that are born with, when mothers are continuing to use, that there are, you know, withdrawal. Yeah, so throughout the pregnancy. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know. His question was well, during, during during conception. It's hard, you know. It's yeah, hard to know. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a fair answer. And then yeah. I think his second question was, "What are some signs of you know when family or friends are using? I mean, you know, what are things that that we can look out for if you're a loved one and you know that person says, no, I'm not high. I'm not using. I, you know, I'm done.'" experienced this, experienced this so many times. Um, Gosh, I haven't talked about, I should probably go to therapy and process this, you guys. Um, But what are some signs, you know, what are symptoms? And I know it varies by drug. uh, And, um, you know, but if, and, you know, both of you want to chime in, I know, Deborah, you have quite a bit of information about this as well. So, but yeah, what for the loved ones, for the people, for coworkers, what are those things to look out for behavior wise? Um, yeah, it definitely depends on substances. I think that for stimulants, you know, specifically meth, uh, you're up a lot. You are very, um, you can be very agitated. You are moving fast. You're talking fast, um, not eating, not uh, not sleeping. Um, uh, and then for heroin or for opiates, you are, you know, nodded out not necessarily sleeping but um pinpoint eyes pinpoint pupils 
Um, uh, also, you can be very agitated. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you can look up on you can you can Google specific. It really depends on how long they've been using, how much they're using, right? Um, what substance that what substances they are using. It's been. Of course, seven years since I've used, right. and so it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and you were using. And it I wasn't was, like yeah. you were <laughs> you were noticing um, what other but people would I mean, notice. Um, I think, um, like, what I see or what I hear most is, um, you know, re- unreliability, mm-hmm. loss of job, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, not following through on things. Spiraling. Spending money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, defensiveness. Yeah. Defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Avoiding avoidance. Right. Um, right. Right. The it, it it there's a lot of layers to it because there's physical symptoms, like you said, mm-hmm. pinpoint eyes or nodding out, you know, but then there's also different types of behavior changes, whether mm-hmm. it is mood swings or talking quickly or um, becoming unreliable when they really were, or maybe there's a cycle that, you know, you're noticing they're doing really, really well for 10 days and all of a sudden they're sleeping for two days or, you know, something like that. So um, I, I was assisting Deborah in preparing for the Hidden in Plain Sight event that's happening this um, this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And she, I was uh, just collecting data and information for her about um, that covered, you know, a lot of, you know, in that realm of, you know, what should we look for? What is the substance? How is it used? And what are those signs and behaviors? And um, and like Deborah said, there is a plethora of information that's available locally. And there's also, um, and then also we have access to the internet and there are so many phenomenal websites and resources that are out there to share, um, you know, to share that information. And um, so please, you know, be proactive and, um, you know, and look things up as you need to. And we'll share what we know, but definitely not the, you know, the, the no one, one place for, for information. So, cause there's so much really phenomenal stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Michael, for calling in. We appreciate that. And um, okay. So during the break, we were talking quickly, we were talking about that there is a barrier to finding good care in Ketchikan. Can we elaborate on that a little bit? 